Hey, Juicy Ginger fans. This is Joshua James Boyle, the producer of the show, podcast. This episode, we have a killer guest. Literally. He can kill you with his bare hands. His name is Jamie Varner. He's the man that brought sanctioned MMA fighting to Arizona. Okay? He is a WEC champion and an ex-UFC veteran. All right? This dude's the real deal. He was a pleasure to have on the podcast. He's doing big things now after the UFC, and he's going to maybe have a podcast in the future. Go give him a follow and check his stuff out. You will not be disappointed. Juicy Ginger, episode eight. Here we go. And uh, I didn't start wrestling until my freshman year of high school. I had oh, no idea really? about the fucking sport. What'd you do? Sports? I was a baseball player and a swimmer. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball player and swimmer. Okay. Yep. Um, That's I mean, interesting. Played all the other sports that like all the normal kids play, right? Like, yeah. uh, I did. I did soccer as a kid. I did basketball, even though I was short as fuck. Right. Um, ba- but baseball is my main sport, and then obviously it's 115 degrees mm-hmm. outside. So during the summertime, as a way to get me the fuck out of the house, my mom sent me to the the, the local pool, Phoenix Phoenix pool, yeah. to go join the swim team. So I started the swim team at like eight years old, just to okay. get me out of the house. Yeah. And I did that all the way to high school, and I was actually pretty fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all conditioning. Yeah, right? it's all conditioning. It's all and reps. It's, yeah. yeah. Body strength. Too, yeah. Man. I mean, think about, like, you've wrestled pull. So, yeah. pulling, right? Pulling right. in the double leg. Pulling the head down. Right. Arm drags. Pulling. Everything I'm fucking doing in that water is pulling. Yeah. It's pulling, yeah. That's and there's a lot of upper body, man. So, when I got into wrestling, I was it was a really easy transition. I had good conditioning. I had great upper body strength. Mm-hmm. Work um, ethic. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was just something like my dad like kind of put in me. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, be the first one to practice, the last one to leave type yep, shit. Yep. But yeah, man. So swimming was my main sport, and I swam, and then just we did a two week thing in PE for wrestling, yeah. and um, they did like a, were they recruiting? Kind of, kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the freshman PE, okay, so the freshman yeah. PE coach okay. was a freshman uh, wrestling coach. Okay, makes sense. So yeah. we did like we had like 32, 35 kids in our class, and we did a king of the mat. You know, everybody oh, yeah. circle up, right, and so have a weight line. And I was, like, 125 pounds back then. So I was probably, oh, yeah. like, like the bottom third yeah. of the weights. And as soon as it got to me, the winner stays in. You take someone down, yep. the winner stays yep. in, the fresh guy comes okay. yep. the next guy comes in. Well, it got to me. I fucking took everybody down to the heavyweight. I took everybody down. Okay. And so the um, – that coach started bugging the shit out of me. Yeah, after in. that, he's like, yeah. uh, Varner, we you need you. Come up wrestling. I'm like, uh, I think I'm going to play soccer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? He's like, why are you going to play soccer? Well, I'm like, my varsity swim coach is the varsity uh, soccer coach. Yeah. I qualified for state this year. I was a state placer as a freshman. Yeah. So I just figured like, hey, he, he knows my work ethic. He knows I'm a good athlete. I felt like I was a shoe-in for varsity right. soccer. Right. And just be, I was a good athlete. I was always a good athlete. I could, I could see stuff. I could always do it, that type of thing. And then conditioning from swimming, I, I could run like a, I could run like a deer. I was running like six minute miles at fucking fourteen years old. Damn. So just my mom was a track. She, my ran, my mom ran track. So I just, okay. I was just naturally just a good runner. Yeah. And um, so I just thought, I thought soccer would be it. Thought soccer was gonna be my move. Gonna go, gonna play soccer. And in that Cortez High School, it's an old school. It's where Alice Cooper okay. went to high school oh, at. Okay. Um, so my aunt, my my aunt actually went to high school and graduated with Alice Cooper. How cool is that? Um, my the whole like most of the Varner family um, went to Cortez High School. Like my dad went there and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I kind of grew up in the same neighborhood that my dad did. And so go and then my actual my freshman PE coach 
was my dad's high school PE coach and football coach. <laughs> so it's all, yeah. All connected. All, all the same. Yeah. So I just, the, I'm, the reason why I'm tying this in, so I was adamant on not wrestling. Like, I was good at it, whatever, but I wanted to be the first, I would have been the first three-sport, four-year varsity athlete in Cortez's history. So I played, I was varsity swimmer, right? And then um, the summer before uh, my, my freshman year, I played varsity summer league baseball. Okay. Like I already knew the I already knew all the varsity baseball players. I was lead off batter as an eighth grader, as a fourteen year old. <laughs> lead off batter in the varsity summer league. Started second base. Started outfield. Started shortstop. Depending on who who was playing where, yeah. but I, I played I played anywhere. Um, so I would have been the first four year three sport varsity athlete in the history of the school. So that's what I. That's was, what your drive was. That's it. That yeah. was it. Like everything for so me. What clicked to make you rest want to wrestle? Well, that's. I, the coaches bugging the shit out of me is, is ultimately what happened. Thank like, God to the coaches. Right? Yeah. I mean, everything for me back then, and even to this day, is, is about legacy. Legacy. Like, I just want to be remembered, right? Like, we got, let's call it 100 years if we're fortunate, right? Yeah, right. So, I want to be remembered. I, I don't want to just be, you know, just dust. Dust in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want I want to, like, leave some sort of mark. I want to leave some sort of legacy, I want to be remembered in some way because, like, what what the fuck's the point, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point in life if you're not going to make some sort of difference, or if you don't want to try and be remembered in some way? Like, like I don't know, positively benefiting people. I, I just want to be remembered, dude. Yeah. And so, like, that was like my thought. My my key was even can, even back then, even you know, as a 14, 15 year old. Well, my biggest fear as a man is probably every single one of you motherfuckers in here right now. Our biggest fear is probably not being good enough. Yeah. Right. As always. Right, like, fear, fear and insecurity is what drives it. a lot of a lot of men. So I just like um, I had a really fucking mean dad, and so like a lot of shit was I wanted to feel good enough, and I thought if I saw my name on a wall, if I could be remembered, then I would be good enough. Gotcha. And so how the whole and I'll tie in the whole wrestling thing. Um, so how the wrestling thing ended up panning out, um, I was pretty adamant on not wrestling. Well, the the freshman coach went to the varsity coach. The varsity coach pulled me out of. Pulled me out of one of my classrooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Told me, you know, like went into my English class. I remember the teacher because her name was Whitehead, Miss Whitehead. <laughs> he walked, <laughs> Mister Chitwood walked into Miss Whitehead's class. Oh wow, it sounds like fifties. How about yeah. it? And pulled me out, and I'm just like, fuck, what the hell did I do? Because I think he was also like a an assistant dean or something. I'm just like, God, did I cause? Like, what? The yeah, fuck? what did like, I do? Pulls me out, and he starts. So I heard you're not. Uh, I heard you're pretty good at wrestling, but you don't. You're gonna play soccer, and I'm like. Um, well, yeah, we did it in PE, but like, yeah, so- want, soccer's for pussies. I want to, I want to play soccer, and I told him why. Like, I, I'm like, I, I feel like I have a really good shot at being varsity, and I'd be yeah. the first person in Cortez's. It's history. a hell of a legit, right? Vision, yeah. And then he's like, well, you know, like you could always earn a spot, and you could pop, you could earn a spot, and possibly be a varsity wrestler. And I'm like, well, you know, I've never done the sport before. At least I've played soccer before. I understand it. You know, you chase a fucking ball up and down, try yeah. kicking a goal. Pretty simple, right? Yeah. Okay, not allowed to hit the motherfuckers. Like, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Like, wrestling seems a little bit complicated. You wear Pretty fucking, technical. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. But you also wear a fucking leotard. Yeah. You got your to, junk hanging yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to have dudes, like, fucking grab my dick and feel my butt. So Butt I, drag. Yep. I wasn't into it, dude. I wasn't into it. And uh, so he resulted to calling my parents. And he called my dad, like, fucking hammer. Yeah. Like, my dad was a hammer. What he said when. So he called my dad and told my dad that, like, I was talented in wrestling, that I should really consider wrestling, but I've been pretty adamant on, on playing soccer, and he thinks that I should reconsider. 
And so I came home, and my dad was actually really fucking cool about it. Not, not a cool guy, but he was cool about this. And he told me, like, hey, got a call from, uh, got a call from the wrestling coach today. And it sounds, like, um, it sounds like you should probably wrestle. Like, they really want you. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, dad, like, you know, coach, uh, it's not Scarborough, but just for the sake of the story, yeah. I call him Scarborough. Coach Scarborough from the swim team, like, he said that, uh, you know, he said that, like, you know, I have a good shot making the varsity soccer team. And then I would be the first guy to be the three-sport, four-year varsity athlete for the high school. I'd be the first one ever mm-hmm. to do this. And he's like, well, you know what, Jamie, you know, if, you're, if your goals are swimming and baseball, you know, when I was in high school, the strongest kids on, the, on campus were the wrestlers. They could always do the most push-ups, the most pull-ups. They were the toughest guys on campus. So if you want to get, you want to pull the ball harder, you want to swim faster, you should probably do some wrestling, get your shoulders stronger. That was it. Nice sell, Dad. That was fucking oh, nice sell. Get me, get me, get me stronger Sold. for baseball, get me faster for swimming, and then, like, that's why you wrestle. Yeah. And then I fucking fell in love with it. The very next year, I quit playing baseball. I played baseball since I was five. I never yeah. played t-ball. Went right into fucking kids' pitch. Five years old, I had a uh, a Ninja Turtle fucking glove. <laughs> like I was a baby playing. Yeah. But I just I, I loved the sport. And my dad had like a little duct tape square um, on a block on a brick wall in our backyard. So I was just throwing balls at that motherfucker all the day. Had a ball with a string. I was fucking swinging the bat, hitting that motherfucker. Like I just. I didn't realize what I was doing mm-hmm. was putting in the extra reps. Yeah, that's right. You know, put in that extra work to be great. Yeah. Right? I never connected those dots until I started wrestling. Did, did you have to get pushed at all to do that, or did it just come natural? No, my dad definitely pushed me. Like, mm-hmm. and this, is, this was one of the fucking probably the craziest things. Um, you know, like, and like, these are like a lot of these lessons that we learned, you know, or obviously learned lessons from passed down from like generation to generation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, I think a lot of us come from parents that didn't know what they didn't know. They didn't know the things that they say and no. do can oh, make no. a fucking significant impact, right? Like when you when you get when you're super excitable and you react super quickly to certain things, now you're you're creating people like you're creating intolerance and impatience. Yeah. Like my dad was always very reactionary, right? So as soon as something happened, he fucking flip out. Guess what? I fucking adopted that. That was a learned behavior. Yeah, it was. So it's like, it's trying to break that fucking cycle, you know, yeah. trying to break the cycle of not being a fucking asshole anymore. But my dad told me like, he, if you want to be the best, you got to be the first to practice and the last one to leave. Yeah. But then he would look at me in the very next sentence and be like, you'll never be the best. There's always a bigger fish. Yeah. yeah. There's always someone better. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Why can't Uh-oh. I be the best? Why can't I be better than the guy that you know, thinks he's better? Yeah. So that was actually my motivation was to prove that motherfucker wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That like that just fired yeah. me the fuck up. Okay. I can't be the best. Did, did your dad know what he was doing or did that just. I think my dad liked having. Is, is your dad still around? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. yeah sorry. No, I, I think my dad actually liked having, um, having a trophy. Or something to be they, like. They try to live about. vicariously through you. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, but like. like I most, say that a lot. Well, I did that. Yeah. As, as a as a father with with young children at the time, I, right? I try to live vicariously through them yeah. and push them and. Yeah. It's like, man, you know, if, if you knew now or knew now what what I know, you know, mm-hmm. you would do things a little different. And you're talking to like a six year old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just wanting to go go play with his his kid his his friends. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. don't know what you don't know, but I, I think that there is, there is like a, a certain level of decorum and tact 
when dealing with kids and like not shooting down hopes. I think there's something that's, there's something to be said for that. You know, you know, having instilling hope in a kid, like you know, hey, no, if you do this and you work hard enough, long enough, you could be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, but some people are, are programmed differently. For me, it was always like, okay, I want to prove him wrong, but then I always had in the back of the head like, I'm, I'm going to fall short. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fall short, and I like it took me. Fuck, man. It took me till I was 21 years old to, like, actually have success all the way. And what I mean by that is to not be the fucking, to be the bride and not the bridesmaid. I took, my senior year in high school, I took second in state for wrestling. Mind you, I quit playing baseball, like, right after my sophomore year. So my mm-hmm. junior year, senior year, I didn't play baseball. I played baseball my whole fucking life. Yeah. That was my identity. And I quit playing baseball right after my sophomore year so I could focus on swimming and wrestling. Okay. And then after once once that happened, I, I and it was more so more so swimming than, than wrestling. I got a I had a scholarship to University of Evansville in um, out in, uh, in Indiana, Indiana, Indiana mm-hmm. for swimming. And I ended up back then I had a 2.0 GPA in high school, but it was before they had the electronic transfer of uh, transcripts. Yeah. So you had to mail the shit in. I thought I was good to go. I was already going to college. I knew. I was, I was done. Like, I, I knew I was going. I'm going to Indiana. I'm going yeah. to swim. It's going to be awesome. Well, I got a call from the fucking coach, and he said that, um, uh, hey, Jamie, just want to let you know that we cannot offer you a scholarship. Your GPA was too low, and you haven't, you didn't take four years of a foreign language. You didn't take, you know, four years of yeah, math, yeah. all this shit. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I was like, I was 100%. Like, I only went to school to play sports. Yeah. Like, I did enough to pass. Right. I never did you- homework. Never, dude. Yeah. Never did homework. I never, like, I would write the report the night before. I would write the paper, you know, maybe the morning. But off. you were the jock, so they let you get away with it and I let you. No, because I was a wrestler, dude. I was a swimmer, wrestler, and a baseball player. I yeah. wasn't a football player, right, basketball right, player, right? right? Like, yeah. those are the motherfuckers that people care about, mm-hmm. right? right yeah. You know, I played the, the really obscure sports. Like, yeah. I was never voted most athletic. Like, no one ever recognized that, but. It's fucking, you know, 10 years later, guess who's got a fucking action figure, right? That's right. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, the, the whole transition from swimming to wrestling and, like, you know, college, like, I had to walk on to a junior college. When I lost that scholarship, dude, I... Yeah, how I, was that demeanor? How, I mean... Dude, I was fucked. Yeah. I was fucked, and my parents split up my senior year of high school, too. Damn. So, it's like, I was so fucking displaced... Like, I didn't know, like, I had my dad living in one house, and he kicked me out of the house. I had my mom, who had quit, she had been drinking her whole life, but then fucking got sober. Yeah. My mom, my dad called the cops on my mom for throwing a phone at him for being a dick, and a part of her, like, sobriety, or part of her, like, not having to go to jail, mm-hmm. was she had to enter into a rehab facility, and then she had to undergo, like, 30 days of alcohol classes, AA classes. Yeah. Well, that 30 days turned into August 11th uh, or August 22nd, 2002 to today. She hasn't had Good a drink. Good for her, man. Fucking A. Hasn't had a drink, no drugs, no alcohol um, since August 22nd, 2002. But my dad didn't stop drinking. He didn't stop using. And so August 22nd, 2002, that was my senior year. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school in 2003. My mom split up, left my dad shortly after that. Um, six months later, I think she met a guy in AA. His okay. name was Cole, who, who's now my stepdad. Um, and they've been married pretty much ever since. But um, I was so fucking displaced. Like, I was living in my, my mom had bought 
a condo. I rented a condo. And then my dad kicked me out of the house. So I was living in my mom's condo, but my mom was living with her boyfriend. Okay. Okay. So I was like living alone. Yeah. So you're, here. yeah. You have, have to wake to, up. You have to do, yeah. Do get, your own homework. Get shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, try to figure out where the fuck am I going to go to school at? Like, oh, what am I going to do next? Like, I didn't have the what? type of parents that like, hey, push college and all that shit. Like, I didn't want to be a construction worker. You have to motivate yourself. Yeah. I yeah. didn't want to dig ditches for a living. Like, that's what my dad told me that I was going to resort to. Digging ditches. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I would never be good enough for anything else but digging ditches. So, I'm like, I have to play fucking sports so I don't become a right. fucking ditch digger. You know, ditch <laughs> digger. Yeah. Right. Survival mode. Yeah. Kind of That's like, some pressure, yeah. man. So, I, dude, it was fucking wild. One of my uh, high school wrestling coaches, he gave me a book. And I didn't think I was good enough to wrestle in, co- in college. So, my varsity high school coach, co- uh, Coach Flint Swordfager, he pulled me out of class and told me, like, hey, dude. Like I heard you, I heard you lost a scholarship. You're not gonna be swimming. Like, mm-hmm. You're good enough for wrestling. You're good enough to wrestle in college. I'm like, really? I, I took second in state. I wasn't like, you know, I, I was only a one-time state placer. I didn't start wrestling at six years old like the motherfuckers from Oklahoma State <laughs> and you know Pennsylvania yeah. and Iowa. Yep. Like that, that I was just, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was mean, and I was a fucking fighter, dude. Mm-hmm. I was always a fighter, but. Um, I was a good athlete. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't realize I was a good athlete until I got older. Like I always assumed like, you know, the black kids, the Mexican kids, like I always assumed that they were better athletes because like that's just those that's are the kids the, that yeah. won everything, right? Yeah. Like yep. at least in the neighborhood I grew up in. I went to Alta Vista, I went to Choya, I went to Cortez. So that was the that was the neighborhood that I grew up in. And so I just assumed like I wasn't I wasn't a good athlete. I just had to, you know, work hard, whatever. Right. But you know, long, uh, long be told, I was actually a pretty decent athlete. I could like see shit and just do it. I didn't really have to be taught a lot. Yeah, I didn't realize like how. And that's so big in wrestling, dude. Position huge. and I mean, obviously a lot of it is natural talent, but you have to know, like you have to understand moves. You have to understand, yeah. you know, weaknesses in opponents. Yeah, shit like that. So. It's the same with MMA though, right? Like, yeah. it, it's it takes you have to be not only do you have to be athletic, but you have to be able to grasp the information, the techniques. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to process it, and then you have to be able to implement it. Yeah. And that's, like, the implementation part is, like, a hard part for a lot of people. But I can fucking watch Instagram or, see, like, how I got good at wrestling. Um, one of my old college roommates, my, my sophomore year, he had a bunch of Big Ten and Pac-12 and NCAA finals, like, cassette videotapes. Yeah. So I would watch the best wrestlers in the fucking country, and I would see the shit they would do. Eric Larkin is probably the one that changed my career the most in, 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 in collegiate-style wrestling. I saw him, like, doing shit. So I could see people do stuff on the video, and then I would just go try it on the mat, and I could fucking do it. Man. Dude, it, it, I went from being, okay, a runner-up in state my, my senior year of high school, walking on to Pima Junior College in mm-hmm. Tucson, Arizona, where they had the guy that took – First in state in my weight class, the guy that took third in state in my weight class, and the guy that took fourth in state in my weight class. Plus, they had a returning national qualifier that was on his third year of junior college. <laughs> <laughs> I was 18 years old. My fucking goatee didn't connect. Like, I, I had probably three hairs around my nipples. Like, I was a fucking <laughs> boy. A baby. Still figuring it out, man. 160 pounds. And I walk onto this team, and... I luckily I got there was a guy that was a returning All American um, from two years prior. He was also one of those three year fucking junior college guys, um, and I worked out with him and he kicked my fucking ass every day. Yeah, he kicked the shit out of me. The next thing you know, Wrestloff's coming. I beat fucking everybody. Damn. 
I fucking beat everybody. The guy that the guy that beat me in state dropped two weight classes. Because of you. I don't know if it was so much because of me, but like it was I gained There's a reason. Yeah. yeah. I gained ten pounds my freshman year. I never lifted legs. This is gonna be fucking funny. Sounds like Paul. Year. Like Paul's probably <laughs> a very similar coach that like I had. Yeah. My coach, because you know, everybody thought if you lifted weights that you were gonna you were gonna gain weight. Yeah. So wrestling, we wanted to stay small, right? right. It, was, it was a weird fucking weird head fuck that that wrestlers had back then. Yeah. But if you, my my wrestling coach told me if you wanted strong legs, Coach Shaw told me this, not Coach Schwartzfeger. If you want strong legs, you need to run, run more. Okay. So I was like fucking Forrest Gump, dude. I fucking ran <laughs> all everywhere. the time. Fucking ran, dude. I mm. ran to school. I had ankle weights on underneath my baggy jeans. Like uh. I was fucking running everywhere. <laughs> Damn. Like I go go to wrestling practice, run. I'd wake up at five in the morning. I'd run. I just ran. Yeah. And then when I got to college, my coach had us lifting three days a week. I fucking my legs. I was squatting, deadlifting, and power clean. I gained yeah 10, 15 pounds in probably a month. Wow. Just lifted. They were just half. waiting to grow. Just fuck, dude. Yeah. And right. I went from. I was wrestling wrestling 152 in high school my senior year. I was 165 my uh, my sophomore year. Or I mean my freshman year. And probably a better composition too, dude. I, as I far was, as far as body fat and all that goes. I felt great. Yeah. I felt great. I wasn't cutting a ton of weight. I um, I wasn't the strongest guy at the weight class, but dude, I was 30 and 10 as a as a freshman in junior college. That's and a I was stud. a starter. Yeah. I beat the guy that was the national qualifier. He ended up quitting the team. Everybody else kind of fucking went in different weight classes and different different places. Um, and then my sophomore year, I took second at nationals. So yeah. once again, I was the bridesmaid, not yeah. the bride. You yeah. know? Yeah. And so, does, does that stay in your head? Yeah. Yeah. I know this is like a long no, story no, no. trying like to it. get to that point, right? But like you, you have, you, you have like in state, like come, getting close, but not, but not like finishing, right? Yeah. It's like jerking off and then stopping right before you come and walking away. Right. Or like you know, it's like blue balls, and it's the same fucking thing. You know, at nationals, two years later, I get all the way there, and then I fucking lose. I lost by a point in uh, in the state finals. I lost by a point in the national finals. Damn. And the guy in the national finals at junior college, he was a returning national champion. He went to University of Iowa, and then I went to Lock Haven. That was just yeah. the difference. Yeah. I, I tried. Um, I was talking to Coach Jack Spates from uh, University of Oklahoma. I really wanted to go there. I wanted to go to one of those good, like a good call a blue blood blue, yeah 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 blue you know, i wanted to go to iowa i wanted to go to pennsylvania or i wanted to go to an oklahoma i wanted to be in one of those states mm -hmm. i ended up going to pennsylvania but i had to go to like a like a top 20 school you know instead of like one of those top 10s right. and i was the number 13 overall recruit that year even though i was a junior college kid they had all their you know they had all their like high school kids that were you know studs but i was number 13. yeah that's up there man yeah i mean that's a stud so yeah, it was um, it was it was fucking crazy how how it all happened. But then the Lockhaven had a boxing team, so wrestled, boxed, and then next next thing I know, I'm fighting in the UFC, dude. It was wow. fucking. It was a it was a really crazy crazy turn of events how everything happened. But um, I didn't learn how to win, or I didn't like gain confidence that I could be the man until my junior year in college at Lockhaven, where I finally won something. I, I won nationals in boxing. So I redshirted my junior year at, um, at Lock Haven so I could get a year of just D1 experience. Okay. So I got to go to all the open tournaments. I was 17 and three. Um, I beat a guy from Edinburgh that was an All-American that year. Um, so I had some really good matches. I did really well. 
Um, there was there were some thoughts on me possibly transferring. I, I kind of wanted to go to a, like a better school. Mm. I didn't really like the setup that we had at Lockhaven. Um, so when when that happened, like there were two hour practices plus we had two hour mandatory morning practices as well, or hour and a half lifting or whatever. I was always doing extra work. Yeah. But so we do our morning workouts, we do our afternoon workouts, but that wasn't enough for me. So I walked off to the boxing team. Um, Ever, had, never boxed before. No. So like that's. I was thinking about that. I probably should have done had a backstory on that. But no, I, no, you're fine. I did. Um, I had my very first MMA fight my senior year of high school. So I can tell the MMA story. I'm kind of telling like the life story right now. No, okay. MMA story. But I started. Um, I had. I did like a couple weeks of boxing when I was uh, in fourth grade. One of the kids I played a, a little league with. Okay. Uh, his dad or his uncle was Michael Carvajal, okay. real famous yeah. boxer. Oh, yep. Wow. Right. And so he was a really good infielder. And he did some boxing and shit. And so I remember um, one of my buddies, one of the kids that lived down the street, he was, he was talking about going to a boxing class down at Central Boxing here in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to my parents. I'm like, hey, can I go? Like, can I go with him? And so I was allowed to go with him for about three weeks. And unfortunately, I didn't speak Spanish. So they just kind of had like the white boy workout just written up on a yeah, mirror. Yeah. Um, but I got to like, I sparred. Um, I got my ass kicked a little bit, yeah. but I got, I had one guy hold pads for me, didn't speak any English, but held pads for me, kind of taught me. Right. I would just watch people. Yeah. I saw fucking Evander Holyfield in that gym. I oh shit. I saw walk in there once. Yeah, dude. I was fucking a little kid and but I was watching jump rope. It was like jump rope for six rounds, then hit the bag for six rounds, then hit the double in bag for three rounds and then go you know, run, run a loop around. Like that was my workout. That's your workout. And, yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, oh, shadow box. It was also shadow box for like four rounds or something. Right. It was always like the same thing written on the board. But it brought you in that environment. Yeah. So I kind of like, I kind of like, I learned hands up, elbows in, throw some straight punches. Like yeah. I learned like real basic stuff yeah. in fourth grade. And, but my parents are like, you're just getting your ass kicked. No one's like talking <laughs> to you. You don't speak English. So they, they're like, we're not going to pay for this. Um, so I did that. And then my senior year, when mom went to rehab, Fucking really weird story. When my mom went to rehab, I went and visited her. And she met a guy in rehab that trained with a bunch of MMA fighters. And he was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Okay. And where he trained at with a bunch of MMA fighters was probably two miles from where I lived. Okay. And um, so I fucking got this guy's number in fucking rehab. My parents let me get a dude's number in rehab. (laughs) But they knew I wanted to fight someday. And I told my mom, like, I'm going to fight in a cage someday. And the reason the reason behind all that was, and now I'm like, fucking all these stories are getting No, crazy. you're good. We love Whatever. it. I don't know how, we're, how I'm going to tie these in. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it was, it got, so it was really fucking weird going to a goddamn rehab, getting this guy's number. But she knew that I was into fight. She knew that I wanted to do it. I think always being like kind of a little guy, like I mentioned yeah, earlier, yeah. being the bridesmaid, yeah. not being tough enough. That chip on your shoulder. Yep. Yep. Big time. And then I remember my sophomore year of high school, the, the toughest guy in school, his name was Peter Morales. Um, he was supposed to fight and rage in the cage. Okay. And I remember him like pussing out. Like he got scared. He's like, oh man, those are some real fighters. Oh, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, really? It's like a fucking wrestling match where you get to punch people. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm in. I'd fucking do that. Yeah. I do that, and there's weight classes. Yeah, I do that. So that, I always had that in the back of my mind. And then my junior year in high school, I was a I was a lifeguard. I told everybody on, on the staff that I was going to fight yeah. when I turned 18. I told everybody, I'm going to fight in the cage next year. 
I'm going to do it. Mm. I, I even like, so I, my mom did the, did, my mom went to rehab, got that guy's phone number and I fucking called him. I called him like, you know, whenever, whenever I, whenever she got out, whenever their, their people got out, yeah. I fucking called him. I'm like, Hey dude, you serious? Like you going to train? Like, can I come? Can you introduce me? Like whatever. And he said, yeah. And I went down, I went down to this gym. It was called Mahato Karate. And there was this guy named Steve Hockley. He was a, I think he was a purple belt at the time, jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But he ran a small jujitsu program. There was probably five or six guys in there. And they're like accountants and fucking just nerds and shit. <laughs> I go in there and I think I'm this cockstrong wrestler, fucking got some pipes, I can do some push-ups. I mean, I can run like a deer. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> and dude, I got choked and fucking arm barred. Like dudes that look like Harry Potter just fucking just me up. Put you in that scarf. Dude. <laughs> And then there was another guy that was a wrestler. His name was Eli, and he actually just passed away recently. Um, fucking dude changed my life, and I'll, and I'll tell you how. But, like, he, he was going to kick my ass. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was a fucking wrestler. I didn't know anything, and I got pissed because I kept getting fucking my ass kicked. Yeah. Right? Like, any competitive person, right? Like, most of them. You kept bellying down, and they're choking your ass oh, out. Just, just, I don't know what I don't know. So right. I put my fucking hand here, and they fucking don't, arm bar yep, me. I fucking yep. hear, and I'm getting choked. I'm just like, fuck me. I can't do anything. <laughs> And so I'm just getting fucking pissed. I'm just doubling him hard, taking him down hard, trying right. to finish. Like, and the guy got fucking, and I got an attitude, and the dude was going to fucking set me straight. He was going to fucking whoop my ass. And then the trainer, Steve Hockley, came in like, nope, I'm going to separate you guys. And that dude would have fucked me up. Yeah. And um, I, learned, I learned humility, dude, at like a completely different level. Yeah. Completely different level of humility. Getting your ass kicked by fucking these guys. And then I, I got addicted, dude. Yeah. It was like a new drug to me. Like I just, I wanted to be good. I just wanted to be good. I wanted to fuck everybody up. I wanted to be, and I thought like this was the one thing I could be great at because I didn't, Paul, I didn't wrestle at six years old, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't box at six years old. I did. I mean, baseball was my was my sport that like if anything I was positioned to go professional in, it was that sport. It was that sport because mm-hmm. that was the sport I'd done since I was five. Everything else was just like fucking figure it out. But re- MMA was so new that I'm like, you know what? I'm athletic enough. I know I know enough about boxing. And I started doing kickboxing at that little karate school. Yeah. They had a Muay Thai guy that came in there once a week. So I was doing jujitsu three, four times a week. I was doing Muay Thai once a week. And then, again, I was a senior in high school learning this shit. Yeah. And um, it just slowly kind of like morphed into, into this. Into yeah, what dude. you're doing now. And I had my very first fight my fucking senior year, dude, of high school in March of senior year of high school. March. Damn. I had 500 kids from my high school come come watch <laughs> come watch the fight. Talk about pressure, dude. I, I fought a guy that was six and zero or no like five and two, four yeah. and two. So I'm like, the guy had six fucking fights. He was a, he yeah. was a man. <laughs> I, he was Don't a man. man. Be like you fighting a high school kid right now. He's a fucking man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, he was a man. He took he was a state champion from Tucson High. Like I was fucking. Terrified, but I'm like, dude, I gotta fight. You gotta do it. Let's fucking fight. I, I've been talking shit for the last year. Yeah, <laughs> like I committed to this, and this is the motherfucker. That, and we didn't know who we were fighting then. You just show up, and it was like, all right, you two are about the same size. You guys go. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah, and back then the rules for amateurs and pros were pretty much the same. The only difference is you didn't get paid as an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, dude, it was fucking wild. But I went out there, I won my first fight, and so you beat him. I beat him. Do you remember how you beat him? Yeah, decision. Okay. I just fucking grinded his ass. There you go. Just took him down and just oh, yeah. pound. You know, you're a state champion wrestler. Fucking try me on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try to take my ass down. So, uh, yeah, I just took him down. 
fucking just controlled the ground game. Yeah. You know, it would they were I can't remember if they were five minute rounds or three minute rounds at amateur back then, but it was it seemed like it I wasn't tired. Yeah. I, I wasn't tired. Was you more fucking. nervous for that or versus Cerrone? Cerrone, because there was more more to lose. Yeah, there, I was right? just wondering as a kid, you're an eighteen year old kid, that's a lot of pressure on you. you know? Yeah. Like you're but, you're not used to it. But like for fighting, it was never something that like when I did that fight and rage in the cage, it was just to say I did it yeah. because that motherfucker in school that everybody thought was the toughest guy in school. Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. So you, yeah. you've already won at that point. Yeah, I had it in my head. I'm yeah. like, I didn't share this with anybody. Like the kids in school don't remember Peter Morales from two years prior how he was supposed to fight and rage in the cage and didn't. But you he, did. I did. Yeah. That fucking motivated <laughs> me. Fuck you, Peter. Yeah. yeah that fucking motivated <laughs> me. So, oh, yeah. like, it, it made me want to, like, it made me want to do something great. It made me want to do something other, everybody was scared to do that nobody had the confidence to do. So, yeah, like, that's how I got into it. And it was, dude, it was a fucking whirlwind. I had four fights that year. So, from that point through the Pima College, through um, D1 College, you knew the whole time you were coming back to MMA. I, it was, my goals changed. So at first it was just to fight once in the cage. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay. Then it was to go pro. Okay. Then it was to just have just fight once in the UFC. Okay. And just to make it but to the UFC. Is this during you're at Lock Haven and all that? Yeah, in the back they, of your they, mind, you're thinking. Yeah, they, they kept growing. I'm using this as building blocks yeah. to be able to get to the UFC. Yeah. Okay. It was all like, so my motivation was Matt Hughes and Jens Pulver. Yep. Both guys wrestled Division One. Yep. Iowa guys, right? Uh, Jens Pulver was Pacific Northwest. I think he wrestled at Boise State. Didn't did they tra both train in Iowa? Yeah. Yeah. Militage. Fight, fighting yeah. systems back in the day. That was like my dream my dream school to go train at, actually. Right. I wanted to go train there back in the day. Militage fighting systems. And then Matt Hughes was an Illinois guy. He wrestled at Lincoln Community College for two years where he was like, I think he was a two-time All-American there. And then he went to, uh, I want to say either Northern Illinois or Eastern Illinois. Eastern, all, yeah. Eastern, Eastern, yeah. Yeah, and then he was, a, he was an All-American there, too. Right, yeah. yeah. Strong as an ox. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, like, those guys were my, were my role models. So that was the reason why I wanted to go Division One Because, okay. like, my goals had shifted. At first, I only, I started wrestling in college, one, because I didn't want to fucking be a ditch ditch digger mm -hmm. but like i thought this would get me groomed for fighting in the ufc so i wrestled in junior college with the goal to like fight in the ufc someday yeah i wrestled division one with the goal of you know fighting the ufc someday then when i finally got to the ufc and i lost my first fight then that's why i decided i wanted to be a world champion yeah that's when Dude, i decided that's crazy yeah it, before it was just to say i did it yeah i had no goal so everything just kept escalating yeah, as you went just grew because I mean, my, my I, confidence grew yeah i don't know how to i don't know how to to put some color around this this question but like as you're wrestling in at Pima College as you're um uh wrestling in, in D1 are you thinking does it take some pressure off because you think I'm, I'm more into the work ethic and and developing my skills for the UFC or are you still worried about your 17 and no record or your 17 and two record or whatever does that make sense yeah I never cared about my, like the it record wasn't, it wasn't so much about you're, you're looking more the end game I long term it, it was performance. It was okay. All, it was all about performance and performing well. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't so much like every time I lost, I fucking flipped out. I was a sore loser, right? And But after a lot of times after I would be able to reflect on it like, dude, I'm fucking better than this guy. Mm -hmm. I could beat this guy. But a lot of times like my, my, my mind would fuck myself going into it. I would, I would hold back. I wouldn't pull the trigger on certain shit because I had, I had fear. The fear I wasn't good enough. So I guess – 
to, the best way to answer that question is I think that I think that my it was it was more so about individual performances and performing well in in getting those small wins that ultimately kind of opened up the doors to like me having bigger vision to have a okay. bigger vision. So it wasn't so much about okay, I want to be a UFC champion or a WC champion. I want to go here right now. It was like I was more so focused. I just want to. I want to fucking. I want to be the best possible. I want to and I want to look good doing it. I want yeah. to go out there. I want to have a good performance. I want to look good. Um, and that was that was that was a lot of it. My biggest fear was being embarrassed. I think that was like a lot of times, or you know, I guess it all kind of goes back to my biggest fear was having the world see that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. By losing, yeah. right? That's a lot. That's a that's a big yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, and what you know what they say about pressure turns fucking coal into diamonds, right? That's right. And. I wish I could implement a lot of the shit that I say. I wish I could have implemented a lot of shit that I know now. Right. Like hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you know, getting older. But um, I wish I would have believed in myself a little bit more. I wish that I had I had a little bit more confidence. Um, you know, I I tell a lot of my my kids that I, that I was coaching, like they're like, Coach, I'm nervous. Nerves are great, man. Mm -hmm. That's good. Nerves are good. Like, Coach, I'm fucking nervous. You know, it's because you care. Yeah, it's because you fucking yeah. care. Yeah, if, why if you didn't nervous. care, then I'd be worried. Yeah, it's because you have something to lose because you train for something. Yeah. It's a beautiful fucking thing. Yeah, just it's use a, it. Yeah, like embrace this. This is a part of competition. This is what you signed up for. Yeah. So you you can look at this as these nerves as like you know you can let them like hold you back or restrict you, or you can embrace these fucking fears and and like reflect on why that you have them. Why you have them is because you fucking work so goddamn hard mm -hmm. for this thing, for this goal. That you don't to, want to fuck it up. That you don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to lose it. But that doesn't change the fact that you did all this fucking work. Yeah. And like that's like that is that in and of itself is such a victory. But we don't look at the work. Yeah. We only look at the performance, man. Like my 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 longevity of my life isn't fucking dependent on my performance from that one 15 minute fight or that 25 minute fight or that that 30 second knockout mm -hmm. no it's the fucking body the of grind. work that i've done since i was fucking you know since i can remember that's that's how i'm gonna live long that's how i'm gonna be fucking remembered yeah. that's how i'm gonna enjoy life it's not these like these small individual performances don't dictate who i am as a man right it's all the work that goes that's like in the back end that dictates who you are. Like Dan Gable, 99 and one, still the most popular fucking wrestler on the planet. Mm -hmm. Still. Mm -hmm. Kale Sanderson, yeah. 15, 159 and 0. Yep. People still, Dan Gable has a fucking museum and he lost. But it catapulted him into greater things. Yeah, yes. legend. Two legend fucking Olympic series. gold medals. Never gave up an offensive point in his second Olympics. Like, dude, I, I, it's the work. It's the work on the back end that makes you a legend. Yeah. It, it's not those individual performances, but that's how we get remembered. But without that work, you don't get remembered. True. Uh, no, I'm with you. Jamie, that brings us to uh, one of our questions that we had for you. Is oh, like, am I going to answer one final? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, well, it just segues no, so good. It. Yeah. Um, like this is kind of like what you already answered, but if you could tell like a younger MMA fighter, right? Like just one key piece of advice that you wish you heard when you were a kid. Would that have been it, or do you have another piece that you that you have? Because um, that was good. That was straight up. <laughs> the best advice, the best advice I can give anybody, and this is from firsthand experience. Mm. Don't stop training. 
don't stop competing. That's it. Like, don't stop training, don't stop competing. Those are, those are one and the same. And what I mean by that is, after my Donald Cerrone fight, my first one, where I broke my hand, yeah. I broke my foot, I got a lesion in my right eye, I wasn't able to train for like eight months. I had to have two reconstructive surgeries on my hand. I had a compound fracture in this hand, and I had two fractures in my left foot. So, dude, my, my right hand was in a cast for, fuck, six months, you know, on and off, right? Surgery, have to wear it for six weeks, and I couldn't do anything. Then that surgery, the bone didn't heal right, so I had to go have another surgery, have a plate put in. Fucking nightmare. Damn. So then I was, I was in now, then I had my, my, my left foot was in a boot. I, I, dude, I couldn't work out. I couldn't do anything. At least so I thought. So I thought. And um, I didn't do anything for like eight months. I came back after that fight. I lost to Benson Henderson. I had a draw with Kamal Shalarus. And then after that, I lost to Don Cerrone in a, in a decision in Colorado. And then after, excuse me, after that, I, I lost to um, Shane Roller. I was inactive for like eight months, mm -hmm. nine months. I wasn't competing, I wasn't training. I was trying to heal my body, and that, dude, that derailed me. It took me, it took me a couple years. Yeah, at least a year and a half. At least a year and a half to get back. To get back mentally, to get back physically. Mentally, physically, to get Psychologically, sharp. Yeah, yeah, say timing, that hunger and shit. But I, I would say compete in jiu-jitsu tournaments, compete in boxing matches, compete in fucking kickboxing tournaments. Train all the time. You have to fucking love it, dude. When you stop loving it, when it stops becoming your passion, when you stop wanting to go to the gym all the time, when you when you lose that hunger for it, dude, it's downhill. It's from gone. There. Yeah, it's downhill from there. And um, another quick piece of advice for those guys that are fighting is you have to ignore the business. The business will make you feel like you're not good enough. It will feed every single insecurity that you have about yourself. It will feed into that. If you let it, if you let it yeah. get a manager, get a trainer. I mean, just assume that you're going to be hungry for a long time. You're not going to have a lot of money. I didn't have shit for fucking money. Right. I was broke as fuck when I first started fighting. Yeah. Like my first fight, I made a hundred dollars as a pro. <laughs> I bought three thirty packs and threw a party. Yeah. I, I just, That's I a... just, I got into a fucking fist fight with somebody. Right. And I got it. I had enough money to buy three thirty packs. And, and a party. party. That's yeah. it. What people can't see on the, on the, on the camera is how gnarly your knuckles are, dude. Oh, like, yeah. dude, yeah. they, <laughs> they are, close up of that, yeah. <laughs> they are swollen, bro. Yeah. Tore, so this was Melvin Gillard. I tore, uh, tore the ligaments in the salad joint. You know how you guys pop? Like yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I tore ligaments there, so this is never going to be the fucking same. And I just got done uh, camping for the weekend, so my hands are really yeah. swollen and beat up. But, uh, yeah, this one, I broke this hand four times. So this was Donald Cerrone. This was a dickhead from NAU. He's pointing at different knuckles as he's... Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> Donald Cerrone here. Um, this was a dickhead from NAU. And then this was also Joe Lozon. So I broke it, and I broke it Big again. ears. Big ears Joe. And then uh, <laughs> this right here was... Um, was Melvin Gillard. Damn. And I also, oh, I had a small fracture in one of these against Kamal Shalarus. I forget which hand. I think it was this one too. Yeah, dude. Well, my right hand was my money maker. Yeah. Um, we were talking about it in the elevator a little bit. Tell me about your camping trip. What happened? Oh, yeah. Little on the personal side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, there, there should actually be a little bit, little bit of a backstory to this. All right, throw it out there. Yeah, there's a little bit of a backstory. Um, so, 
when I, in 2010, I fought Shane Roller. That was my last fight in the WC. If you guys remember when the WC like transitioned to the UFC, were you yep. guys fans back then? Yep. Yeah. So they cut me. They didn't. They didn't bring me over. I I lost all these fights. I was kind of a heel in the organization because I said that they didn't treat me very well. Yeah. Um, I was the main event on a on a fight. I was the main event of a fight in Sacramento, but yet they had Uriah Faber as like the main guy on the fucking poster. Wow. Like My, they just treat their me golden like boy. Yeah, and then all like like the no fear and amp energy, all the big corporate sponsors that came in the WC. I was a champion. They never offered me one of those. Why? Like, Dude, I have no fucking idea, man. I don't know if they just didn't think I was marketable or what, but they didn't give me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I, or at least they didn't, get, they didn't get to know me. They didn't try. They, didn't, they did not market me. And so, like, I was really hurt by that, and it also kind of fed into, like, that, that same issue. The more, yeah, chip yeah. on your shoulder, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I, I sense a pattern me. here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> But I, it's not just me. We all it, fucking Yeah, have. yeah, no, no, no. That's the reason why you look like a fucking brick shit. Oh, house. yeah, because I was 140 pounds in high school. Yeah, dude, yeah. you didn't feel like you were good enough. That's yeah. probably why you're a fucking producer. You want to fucking do good shit. You want to feel good enough. Paul, probably why you wrestled in college. You want to fucking, you want validation for your work. You want to feel good enough. Every fucking man, we all have the same fear. Right. It's the fear of not being good enough, you know, to, to fall short. Like, how many of your fights with your wife have been because you, you know, Fights that you maybe that are your fault that you started oh. or came out of your fears. So you oh, one hundred percent of them. Yeah, dude. Like I get impatient with my girl because I fucking because I feel like I'm doing something wrong because mm-hmm. like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 just fuck. It's really weird. Yeah, it it's is. Really weird it's, cycle. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's almost comical. We know as, what it is. We can't do anything about it. As you're fighting about it with your girl or whatever, yeah. you know in the back of your mind, well, fuck, this really isn't her fault. This is my problem. Yeah, but you're not going to back down. Oh hell no. No. No, Can't do that. you admit you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so with her, I so when I got cut, I I had to go back to the minor leagues, and um, I I just took a year off from fighting. I was so burnt out, beat up, mentally just done. I moved out to New Jersey. I thought I wanted to do something different. I got into a, a physician assistant program at uh, Seton Hall University. It's a private school yeah. in um, in New Jersey, in South Orange. So I got in there. I did a dual enrollment program. So it'd be in three years, I would get my biology degree, and I'd also get my physician assistant's degree. It was gonna be like it was like sixty grand or something, but I would mm. I would have this fucking great. I did it. I was out there in New Jersey for about six months, going to school, and I started training at AMA Fight Club. Um, it's where Jim Miller, the Miller brothers, were there. Um, there was a bunch of Russians out there back in the day before. Um, before Khabib and all those guys mm-hmm. kind of made their way out to AKA here, like their AMA in, in New Jersey was kind of like a hub. They okay. had a lot of those international fighters. So I was in there training a couple days a week, going to school, and I just, but I just hated New Jersey. Yeah. And it was in that year, that's when that um, Hurricane Sandy came. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I got a hurricane and a fucking, and an earthquake all within like the first couple months I'm living in New Jersey. Oh, that's, an, that's an omen, bro. Nah. And we have go. no natural disasters out here. Yeah. You know, no. so yeah. um, after that, I hated school. It wasn't for me. So I left. I, I dropped out. I came back home. And I'm like, I was so fucking lost. Like, what do I do? I got back into, I got back into the gym at Arizona Combat Sports. Um, I actually enrolled at Arizona State University to finish mm-hmm. up my, to finish up. So I dropped out of college my senior year at Lock Haven. Um, Dropped out my senior year to start fighting in the UFC. That's when I got my contract yeah. with uh, Hermes Franco. So I dropped out of college. I didn't have a degree. Um, so I went back to ASU to try and finish my degree. 
And then I decided that I want to start fighting again, you know, trying to make got the bug, I, got the I, bug. I, again. I just need to make some money too. Okay. And I knew those, it'd be a good way to make some money. And I started training at, at the lab with Ben mm-hmm. Benson Anderson, a guy that beat me. Right. You know, so I had to swallow some crow, dude. Yeah. I had to swallow some crow. I had to swallow my pride. I had to fucking walk in there and I had to like, I had to go and humble myself. Best decision I ever made. So I get in there, I start training with Benson and all those guys. And I, next thing I know, like I'm fucking, you know, I, I well, I, I started when I won, won a fight. Yeah. Then I fought one of the guys that I trained with. His name is Drew Fickett. Um, fucking fought him. I beat him pretty quickly. Like I had two knockouts in less than two minutes. Yeah. And um, I. You're back. I was coming back. You're back. And right after that fight against Drew Fickett, a couple of my friends. This was 2012. They took me on a trip to Rocky Point, Mexico or Mexico. Yeah. And when I was down there, I was. Hanging out, partying, relaxing, having a good time. It was actually a trip I didn't want to go on. Um, I've just never been like a big party guy. And I was really trying to focus on, you know, getting back into the UFC. But I had some money and my roommate at the time, he was going. So I just, dude, I just got dragged. I got dragged. Yeah. Well, thank God I did. I went there and went to a couple of bars and I met this girl, uh, this uh, 19, 20 year old girl. And I was like 25 at the time. One of her one of her guy friends recognized me from the WEC days, but it was too chicken to come talk and t- talk to me. So he had her come up and ask me if I was Jamie Varner, and you know the former fighter. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, yeah. She so she came up and asked me. I'm like, oh yeah, Jamie Varner. She's like, oh, do you mind getting a picture with me? I'm like, sure. Yeah. It's like my my friends over there. Were, I don't know who you were, but my friends over there, like they're fans. And so I decided get a picture to like kind of rub it in their face. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm like, okay, no thoughts there. Cute girl, whatever, leave. Well, like a week later, she posts something on, on Facebook, like, or a couple days later, she posts a picture on Facebook with me, tags me in it. So I, I, I sent her a message. I'm like, yeah. hey, are you single? Like, if you are, <laughs> we should, like, you know, text me. Yeah. yeah. She did. And um, probably like a week later, we went on a date. We hung out. Um, we probably, she went to college in Tucson. Okay. I was trained here in Phoenix. So she would drive up like every weekend. She got a job up in Phoenix. She would drive up every weekend, hang out with me. We'd hook up, whatever. Wasn't like super serious, but she was there. She was there before the Barbosa fight. Okay. She liked me. She was into me. She'd come up and see me before the Barbosa fight. So this was March. We started dating. And I had the Barbosa fight uh, Memorial Day weekend in May. Okay. Got this. I, I, I got that fight. I took it on three weeks' notice. I was supposed to fight somebody else. So I'd already been trained for a fight. I'd already had a six week training camp. For another guy that was supposed to fight in Texas in a small in a small organization, but they um, they had somebody. I think it was Evan Dunham had gotten hurt, and he was supposed to fight the fucking. He was supposed to fight Edson Barbosa right after he kicked Terry Adams' head off. Okay, like this is knockout of the year in 2012, yeah. and that's the motherfucker I have to fight. Right, you know, just coming off the streets. Right, right. coming off the minor leagues, and. Um, but you're ready. I, I mean, I was in shape. Yeah. But I was fucking terrified. <laughs> I'm like, this motherfucker just kicked someone's head off. I've never had it. I never fought any guy. I fought a guy so fast, so athletic that did shit like that. And like, it's hard to find training partners for guys like that. Like, That's a good point. When you're a freak athlete like that, how do you... Where do you find... Yeah, yeah there's like, nobody in the gym like that. Well, again, how do you find somebody... Like, how do you train for John Jones? No, you can't. It's, it's impossible, can't. right? To find guys that are that athletic, that fast, that sharp, that technical, that are that size. Right. You know, and, so yeah, it's with just, the length too. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really hard to find opponents like that. But um, so, anyways, I, I I end up going and fighting Barbosa, end up whooping his ass, and it like 
she was there before yeah. all that. How, how big is your head at that point? Fucking huge. So this this is the point I'm gonna I'm getting to. So after that happens, like she sticks around and like I and I I, I let her stick around. Like she was on the weekends we'd have fun, but I like never took her on dates. I never treated her like really good. Yeah. Um and she finally moved on. Like she like it was after about a year and a half, almost two years, I asked her if she if she was hooking up with other people. And she said, yeah. And I fucking flipped out. Oh. Oh, my God. I flipped out. Well, meanwhile, I'm fucking everything. <laughs> right. Strippers, porn stars, <laughs> fucking ring girls. Yeah. Oh, shit. Didn't everything. matter. But you're upset that she's getting some she on the side. She had one guy, you know, or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and we weren't, like, she wasn't my girlfriend. We were nothing official. This, this goes back to the insecurity that we all talked yeah, about. But yeah, but it's also a do as I say, not as I do type right. thing. It's a fucking exactly. ego control thing, right? Exactly. You just, again, you're, I was a fucking Neanderthal, dude. I, yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And um, so we stopped talking. And then it was probably about two years later, I fucking recognized, like, what I had in her. She was a great girl. But I didn't treat her very good. I didn't recognize what, yeah. she, what she brought to the table. So I started hitting her up. Like, hey, like, hey, you know, are you single? You know, can we hang? Remember no, me? I got a boyfriend. <laughs> like, she was always really oh. short with me for years. She had a boyfriend for, on and off for about six years. So this was, yeah, 2012, 2013. So like most of 2012, most of 2013, I don't think in 2014 we were talking at all. So she started dating this other guy. And then finally, um, I'd reach out like every year, probably just, hey, you single yet? No, or mm -hmm. I just won't get anything back. Well, f um, finally last, not last summer, summer of 2019, summer of 2019, I had found out that she was single um, I was on one of the dating apps. So you've been creeping this whole time. No, like not really. I was on a dating app and I fucking saw her on there. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, oh shit. So I immediately go to her Facebook and I fucking email her. Crickets. Okay, then like a week later she responds to something very fucking short, whatever. Like <laughs> she she's she's good. Oh man, I'm like you I'm like, all right, fuck you, bye. Like like I whatever, I'll just give up then. Yeah. And then uh, on my birthday, October 12th of 2019, she shot me a text like, hey, handsome, happy birthday. I'm like, back. I'm back in. I'm back in. Guess text who's back? I didn't know. Like, so I was messaging her on Facebook, right? Yeah. But I didn't know. Like, I saw this number, but I. You kind of knew, yeah. I knew who it was, but I'm like, who is this? Who this? New phone. Yep. <laughs> so she said Candace, and um, I sent this fucking long diatribe <laughs> fucking long message of just like <coughs> apology i took accountability for all the fuck that oh wow i'm sorry for treating you like the way i did you know i just i just i just took 100 percent accountability for everything and i'm really sorry mm -hmm. and i feel like i feel like you're the one that got away you know all these years have gone by i still can't still can't stop thinking about you um you're special you're loving you're selfless you're kind you were there when i was nothing mm -hmm. you know and I just didn't appreciate you. Yeah. And she responded. And then after fucking probably two weeks of texting, she agreed to go on a date with me November 1st of 2019. I told her on that day that I was going to marry her someday. And um, November 2nd, we had sex for the first time, for the second time around. Right. And after that day, after November 2nd, I think we spent maybe five nights apart, six nights apart in almost two years since then. And... Um, this past weekend, th this past week, we were at the Grand Canyon, and uh, I asked her to marry me. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Congratulations! Fucking Good job, bro. Hell yeah, dude! And like, I don't want to gloat, but I want to. I'm on. Everything I've ever wanted 
in my life I've been able to get in some in some way. And what I mean by that is, and it's and it's through work. It wasn't it wasn't because I was gifted shit. It wasn't because of luck, but it was through work and, and persistence. Like I wanted to fight in the UFC someday. Mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wanted to graduate from college. I eventually ended up doing that. Um, I wanted to become a world champion. I wanted to be the I wanted to be the best at something. I fucking did that. My my job now, I, I'm in medical sales and I, I work for a Fortune one hundred company. And that was that was I knew when I retired from fighting that that's what I wanted to do. Like that was gonna be my that was my dream job. Like mm-hmm. make good money and not get hit in the fucking face. Like win win. Yeah. Right? And not have to work that hard. Not have to do not dig in ditches. Yeah. Like what my dad thought. And so I got I got the job and then finally like I got my I got the dream girl and it's just it's so fucking crazy how we as humans put obstacles in our own way and we'll step on our own feet to sabotage our dreams. I could have had fucking Candace six, seven years ago. Yeah, but you wouldn't have appreciated it like no. you did now. But that life is full of dualities though, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you you have to lose something to appreciate it. But like without without death, you don't appreciate life. True. Right? Like it's life is all about those dualities and contrast and uh that was like probably like one of the biggest lessons that I have learned is that there's always contrast. And if you really want something, like it doesn't matter. Like it's not just about like the performance or whatever. Like you may fall short. There are certain things that are out of your control, but it doesn't, doesn't mean you, you can't fight for it. You can't keep trying. You can't keep going. Like I sent messages to fucking Candace. I didn't recognize this as being persistent or hard work. But I was sending her messages on an annual basis. Yeah. Like I was sending, like checking in, trying to like, it fucking worked. Yeah. If you wouldn't have done it, you wouldn't be no, where you are now. It fucking worked, right? Like, you know, networking and uh, networking and constantly like trying to meet people and to like build bridges instead of burn them. Like, mm-hmm. I burned so many bridges. Like, I had a really smart, really smart guy tell me that you see all the same people on your way to the top that you do back down to the bottom. True. Oh. Oh, that's right. A quote. Yeah. 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 When I was 20 years old, man, I like in my 20s, I was a fucking asshole. I was an egotistical maniac, and so I didn't give a fuck mm-hmm. what bridges I burned because I felt like I could I could overcome anything. And it took a long time. It took hitting absolute rock bottom, not having a girlfriend, not feeling good about myself, not having an education, not having a fucking job, not having a source of income, having not having a stable home, like. Not having all those things, fucking, dude, it kicked me in the ass. It fucking showed me, man. And, like, I just had to shift my discipline. I was so disciplined in all these other areas of my life. But when it came to actually me, that's where my discipline lacked. Yeah. And so all I did was I started applying, like, that same type of discipline into things that I didn't think were important into myself. And so now, like, I've been with this company uh, for two years. I just, like, I just interviewed for a promotion. Like, this shit just happen. Yeah, shit's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, of your persistence. That's it. It's persistence and drive. And yeah. just that, that, that fighter's attitude to just not give up when things are tough. Like, it's always dark as just before the dawn. Like, all these cliche things. Yeah, are actually true. They're cliche yeah. because of a reason. Fuck, dude. Yeah. You don't realize that until you get older, right? I know. I know. And then it's, it's, not, it's never too late, but it's like, fuck. Oh, man. You see all the things that you fucked up on. Oh. Wish I could go back. I know. Wish I, I know. could go back because you know my ego is like, damn, what, dude. I know, not to dig, but what uh, what bridges did you burn? Like what? Oh man. Um, with fighters, with management, 
Um, my, I have former managers. I actually reached out to one former manager. I'm pretty sure he stole a ton of money from me. Oh. But you know what? I, I don't care about you know that. Like I'm, I'm good now. I'm happy now. I was never hungry. So it wasn't like I was completely displaced. But um, I, I sent him a message. His name was, uh, yeah, his name was Jason. I sent him a message and mm -hmm. just told him that, you know, thank you for everything you did for me, that type of shit. That was like a big one for me. Um, trainers, there are uh, uh, Mike Constantino out in AMA. I upset him when I decided that I just didn't want him as a manager anymore. Like there's, there's no negotiating with the UFC. So you really don't need a manager to negotiate with the UFC. They just, they have their UFC. system. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you fight three times for the UFC. This is your next contract. This is what it is. You fight, unless you're a fucking like a superstar. Unless for some reason they want to put money behind you or whatever, like this, that's just how they do it. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have like, I would say that, yeah, with, with the manager, like him, I would say the way I acted um, when I was in the WEC calling them out, not being more of a company man, like I pushed back. Yeah. Um, I just like, I don't like, I don't like being bullied and I don't, I don't, I, don't, I like fairness, even though we're, we live in an unfair and imperfect world. When I see Uriah Faber as the headliner on a fight when I'm the main event, like yeah. that, like what the fuck? Yeah. Like what the fuck, dude? Right. You know, like when I see you putting all this money into all these other guys and I'm a world champion for your organization and yet I'm not getting any Bud Light money. I'm not getting any no fear money. I'm not getting any amp energy money. I'm not getting any of this shit. Like what the fuck? Yeah. So um, I would say like knowing when to bite my tongue, you know, knowing <laughs> when to bite my tongue. I think that's, you know, a lot of guys, that's a lot, lot of people, of but um, I think burning bridges in the UFC, um, I've been, I've been really vocal um, over the years about how they've treated fighters, um, you know, and I understand their business, right? Like mm -hmm. from a business side, a guy that does business every day, mm -hmm. like their business model is great. Pay the fighter shit and you make a ton of money. Awesome. Good for business. Yeah. Especially if you're a private company, not pub public, you don't have to worry about shareholders or whatever. But I think that there needs to be a better balance between the revenue that they're making and uh, what they're paying the fighters. Yeah. Because, you know, costs are going up, man. Like, everything's more expensive. Yeah. Everything's fucking more expensive, but yet you're paying fighters the same that you were paying them, ten like, when I was fighting. Mm. Like, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, when I see when I see Dana with fucking five or seven Ferraris and all this shit, like, dude. Yeah. Dude, there are guys that are fucking getting rides from their girlfriends still to practice. They're fighting on your organization. Yeah. Like driving Uber at night to Yeah. So like I would I would have bit my tongue a little bit bit my tongue a little bit more and try to be I would have tried to use a little bit more rationale and reason, try to talk to these people, maybe try to get involved with the UFC in a different aspect, mm -hmm. which I did try, but I think I'd already kind of burned some burned bridges. so much. Yeah. Yeah, that they didn't uh, that they didn't really want to create something for me. Yeah. But uh yeah, I would say like a lot of that, and then just like interpersonal relationships, like with Candace, like I treat her like shit, like that sucks. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of people like that that I've now like I maybe there's maybe I need to get my windshield replaced, but I was a fucking dick to the guy at Safe Life, <laughs> so now I have to call their fucking competitor. Like there are things like that still. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, yeah. but there are places like I will avoid because I, I had a conflict with somebody. You and showed I, your ass at some place, yeah. Yeah, and I was fucking wrong. Can't eat at certain restaurants. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, think we can relate to that. Uh, Paul's a hothead too. Yeah, he can. He can, He's been kicked out of all WalMarts. 
Yeah. Really? Home Depot. Walmart. Slows. Can't go in those places. Yeah. Oh, man. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Are, so, any relationship at all with UFC or UFC fighters or anything? Yeah. I, have, I still have a lot of good relationships there. Like, Dustin Poirier and I will text every once in a while. <sighs> Mike Chiesa and I are still, still uh, Facebook and Instagram buddies. Um, I know a lot of the guys, uh, a lot of the old WEC guys, um, I'm still really friendly with. Like, if I was to go see Brian Stan, sorry, if oh, I was yeah. to go see Brian Stan or any of those, yeah. um, I know we'd be cool. We'd probably embrace each other, hug each other. Like, um, there, I didn't have, like, a ton of friends. We were just, like, all casual friends. Like, whenever I'd see him at fights or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I went to a UFC fight in Dallas uh, a few years back, and it probably 2018 mm-hmm. I was there. And like I quit, I think my last fight was in 2014. So a lot of the people still remembered me and I still mm. knew a lot of the people behind the scenes and still getting embraced by a bunch of the people, hugs and stuff. So I still have a lot of those friends. A lot of the people still remember me. It's funny how uh, the up and comers like, oh, dude, I used to watch you all the time. Like Cody, like uh, Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. Like yeah. he, he was like, dude, I was a huge fan of you back in the day. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Well, um, the, the 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 people that like Jens Pulver and Matt Hughes that you looked yeah. up to, those guys are now, or excuse me, the new guys are now looking up to you. Yeah, like you, yeah. Like you did Jens. Yeah, a lot of the guys liked my fighting style. Like I didn't have I didn't have a lot of wins in the UFC. If you look at my record, I'm pretty sure I have a losing record in the UFC. But like a lot of those fights were close. Yeah. You know, a lot of those fights were fucking like. I lost because I was trying to finish the guy instead of just eke out a decision, right? Like yeah, I need this fight the night money. That's that was it. <laughs> I mean, it's I can make twenty thousand dollars or I can make you know seventy, yeah, or Ooh. sixty if I lost. I made more money losing than I ever did from anyone in my career for the fight the night type deals. Yeah, I always went for fucking like my Gable my Abel Trujillo fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I got knocked out in the second round of that fight. I could have taken him down, grinded out a decision, but Joe Silva came into the came into my 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 locker room specifically um, right before my fight. He's like, there have been no finishes on this fight card. Every single fight has been boring. All the bonuses are up for grabs, and I'm like, I'll change that. My game plan comp- my game plan shifted on the walkout to the fight. Wow! I was gonna take this motherfucker down and choke him. Yeah, that was the game plan, and I just stood toe to toe with him and, and just, I just fucking banged it out. I was I took that fight on three weeks notice. I was I wasn't in very good shape. I was coming off a off a hand injury. Weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, coming off a hand injury, but um, took that fight on on pretty short notice. And uh, yeah, I just got I got tired, got sloppy in that second round. Hands came down. I thought he was done, and he wasn't. He mm. finished, and I got knocked out, and that fucking sucked. But that was uh, I made like over a hundred grand that night. Damn. I made more money losing, losing than I ever did winning, and that's fucked up. That is fucked up. <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah. So I was telling Kenny when he shared with me about you coming on the podcast, I told Kenny, I said, bar none, best hands in the UFC. I always felt like you was really good at setting down on your punches, bringing the fight. Yes, you got knocked out a yeah. few times, <laughs> oh. but bar none, best hands in the UFC, in my opinion. You know, was, and, yeah, and and that and that goes with like Connor. Yeah. I mean, you you just bit down on your mouthpiece and let it fly. It was a different style, right? Like um, a lot, like Connor is more of like a precision point fighter, that type of stuff. I had more of the Roberto Duran type mm-hmm. style, the the um, the Mike Tyson kind of style. 
I was a shorter fighter, but I was really explosive, right? So I, I had to eat shots to give them, right? But I had to move forward to get on the inside of your punches. So my everything was fucking Mike Tyson here and just fucking whack, whack. Hard left hooks, hard right hands. I didn't really, I couldn't really work behind a jab because I'm not fucking. Yeah, long. you can't leave. Yeah. So I mean, like a lot of times it was just, yeah, I was really basic. I didn't do anything fucking tricky. Um, and I think it was also, you know, not to sound racist or anything. I think it was, it was back then. It was also different to see a white boy, you know, throwing hands like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Seeing a white boy box like that, trying to cut angles and hands up and stay sharp and move the way I moved, um, and to like have that that veracity, that viciousness that I had, like that killer instinct. But it, it took a long time for people to recognize my hands because like I was always known as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. I was always known as a wrestler, but then you look at my career, it's like, fuck dude, he's got how many knockouts? How yeah. many TKOs? Right. Oh shit. Okay. Maybe he does. But yeah, I didn't get a lot of, I didn't get a lot of credit for my hands until like after my career, I think a lot of people were more so like Jamie was a wrestler. And I think that honestly played to, to my advantage more so than anything. Um, that was the biggest thing that fucking Edson Barbosa was worried about. He's worried about getting taken Word. down. Razor Rob McCola. He was worried about taking getting taken down. Those those two fights are the biggest fights of my career. What was yeah. you gonna say about Rob McCola? It's true that he's a huge asshole. Is that <laughs> good friend of mine? Really? Good friend of mine. Uh, okay. Well, let's so, well, Paul, like, let's let's think about let's. Well, just because he's a good friend doesn't mean he's ass, not an asshole. Yeah, and that's and that's a good point, but. Um, we were all assholes in our twenties. Sure. Yeah. You were. You were. You were. I. I know was, I was. So was he, dude. Yeah. And fighting's a very unique sport, man. Right. And the problem is, they, the, you guys that are in the limelight, we as outsiders catch just snapshots. Yeah. So we we catch a snapshot of you at 24 years old. We think that's the same as you when you're 36. Yeah. You know. Like these motherfuckers, like looking back at you know tweets from when they were 17. Fuck you. Right. Right. Fuck you. Right, yeah. Dude, I, I fucking was a knuckle dragger at 17. <laughs> Dude, I was a knuckle dragger until I was 32. Yeah. Like, I was a fucking idiot. You don't know what you don't know. So to punish somebody for shit that they did or said or whatever in the past is... It's, it's if you don't change, but we all do. Yeah. For the most part, we all grow. We all learn from our fucking behaviors, from our mistakes, right? It's either that or you're alone and miserable. Yeah. You either learn from your mistakes or you're fucking a, a crazy cat person. Like, I mean, it's one of the two. That's 100%. But, like, what I was saying about fighting is probably similar to bodybuilding and fucking wrestling or anything else. You have to believe you are the man. You have to believe you are the fucking man. Like, you don't go into a bodybuilding competition to go take fucking second. Mm-mm. Like, I just, you know what? I'm going to fucking diet for 25 fucking weeks. I'm going to lift all the goddamn weight. I'm going to struggle and all this shit. So, you know, I just want to say I did it. Yeah. No, you don't do that. You have to believe you're the fucking man. And I think a lot of the shit with, with Rob and even myself, like people get these snapshots after fights or whatever, these interviews. If you don't believe you're the man, you're going to get your ass kicked. This is a fucking dangerous sport. So I think he came across as arrogant. And um, I know I did. Mm-hmm. And I think that was his persona. But Rob and I, I, um, I actually hung out with him in 2013. First time I hung out with him since we fought. I hung out with him 2013 at UFC Fan Expo, um, and then we we did we were doing guest appearances like at different booths there. But then we went and did a, a viewing party at a strip club, <laughs> him and I together. Dude, I hung out with him and talked to him. We never talked about the fight. Mm-hmm. Never talked about the fight. 
He is such a fucking good dude. I mean, the guy's gone, gone through a lot. He's had two kids with his girl who was a porn star. Weird that she fucking left him for a guy with more money. Okay. <laughs> she left him with a guy for a guy with more money. So I know he's hit rock bottom. Yeah. Right. His life isn't exactly where, where he wants to be. But dude, like he fucking works, man. He, he, I, he had a job with the UFC gym stuff. I think when COVID and all that stuff happened, I don't know if like that, but now he's like doing personal training. He's, he, and he's living in Huntington beach. He's got his two kids. He's got a girlfriend. The dude's a fighter, man. Grinder. He's fighting and he's surviving. And I'm like, I'm happy to know him, dude. That guy changed my fucking life. He made me a better man. Mm. He made me a better man as well. Like every guy that I fought or lost to in some way, some aspect, some shape or form made me better. Cause I had to, I had to be disciplined. I had to be dedicated. I had to overcome some sort of fear to fight those motherfuckers, right? Yeah. So, um, Paul, to answer your question, he's a fucking great man. He is a Good. he's a great man. If you were, if he was here right now, all of us would be fucking dying laughing. He's the funniest dude I've ever met. He's a great guy. Um, and it sucks that we had to fight um, because, like, I I, I don't want to fight my friends. Yeah. But I consider him a friend. How does that work as far as like even the guys that you well just take don't take Rob in consideration just somebody that you fought before. How is it like a year later, two years later, three years later when you run into them? Is there still do you still have that mental beef with them or, or win, lose, draw, whatever? It depends on the person, and I think it depends on. Um, it, it depends on the opponent. It depends on the situation. Like, um, Abel Trujillo, I have zero respect for that guy. He beats women and shit. So, like, I, obviously, I want to go out there and kick his ass, yeah. right? And, like, losing him wasn't a reflection of, like, my character or whatever. But I, for a long time, me losing to him, I felt like I wasn't good enough. Like, I couldn't beat this woman beater. Like, what the fuck? But even women, women beaters get lucky, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. fucking yeah. John Jones, you know, blowing lines and fucking up Daniel Cormier <laughs> and beating people up, having five round fights uh-huh. and banging strippers the night before. Um, my very first fight in the UFC, I remember I was going down to the sauna at the Mandalay Bay to go cut weight. And Chuck Liddell is running around like with a sweatsuit on. And I hear him talking to my trainer about how he just had a threesome with two chicks um, by the pool, and now he's trying to decide what he's going to do with the two girls up in his hotel room. This is the day of fucking weigh-ins and a day before a fight. I love it. Right? He was, he was fighting Tito. No, he was fighting Babalu Sobral. Oh, okay. Babalu. Yeah, I think it's the... He talked about something like that on a podcast uh, when he fought Tito, yeah. I think, the first time. That's funny, dude. Yeah. It's, animals. Yeah. Y'all are animals, dude. I, that was not me, dude. I, <laughs> I would get to the fight on Tuesday at 172 pounds around there, give or take two pounds. Yeah. And then I have to make 155 by Friday. Fuck. So there was no girls. No, there's no girls. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. No. I had zero interest, zero energy. I had, um, I had a couple girls come hang out with me like after weigh-ins. Um, my, my first Don Cerrone fight, there was a girl I was talking to, two girls I was talking to. <laughs> I had one at one of my hotel room the night before. We didn't hook up or anything, just like hang out, watch a movie, whatever. And then um, Brittany Palmer the next day. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Hanging out with her. Yeah, dude. So I, but I went before fights, I couldn't. Yeah, Sex was, and that shit was not a It was all, option. yeah, all concentration, all Ooh, mental. I, don't, I didn't have the energy, man. Yeah, you didn't so want to. fucking weight, yeah. 12 pounds, no, what? 20, Tw- yeah. 18? Not, yeah. What 18, the fuck is that? Why, 17 why, pounds, 17, 17 pounds. pounds. Yeah. yeah. Damn. That was fucked up. That's a lot, lot of water weight. weight. A lot of water, water weight. weight. Yeah, man, it wasn't fun. Dude, diet-wise, what, I mean, I know we've, we've drawn this thing out, but uh, it's very interesting. Uh, diet-wise, what, what did you do? Cut carbs? I mean, 
yeah, leading was, up to a fight. Like you just had to be drained. It sucked, dude. But dude, I uh, I'm not gonna lie, I I fucking learned. I had this shit down to a science. It is a science. It's a um, total science. I got my like I wish I would have known like the weight cutting techniques that I that I had my last year fighting my first year fight. I think that would have prolonged my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bigger. I had gained weight. Like as as, as we all mature. Yeah, we all grow. get thicker. Yeah. Right. So I'm 21 years old fighting the UFC. I was walking around with 175 pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got up to like 185, 190 when I started getting into my my late 20s. I mean, I was getting stronger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was squatting 400 pounds, deadlifting mm-hmm. 500 pounds, benching 325, and I'm still running uh, sub six minute miles. Like, I was fucking strong and training yeah. hard, but like, I I gained weight. I got more dense, right? Yeah. I got more muscle. I, I got my man body. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I had I would start pulling carbs about. I would start limiting carbs four weeks out. Okay. Okay. Let's call it like a cup of cooked rice. Three times a day, twice a day. Let's okay. just call that that amount. Okay. A cup of cooked rice. So it would go down. It would go from a cup down to a half a cup, down to a quarter cup. Mm-hmm. And then it would be just – it would be like I'd get my carbs from either fruit or just veggies. Then I'd pull like the complex carbs out. And then it would go into just fat and protein. Gotcha. So quarter of an avocado and two ounces of cooked chicken breast boiled. Yeah. So I have to boil the chicken breast to get all the sodium out of it so I wouldn't hold any water. Yep. So, I mean, it was just, it was very systematic, broke it down. Um, I would do, I would eat a lot of lacinto kale, um, cucumbers, and a green apple. Like, that was like, that was a meal. And yeah. I would put with the water. green apple was a treat. Oh, right. my God. It's so great. But the, the, uh, <laughs> the fucking, uh, the cucumber helped with my inflammation. Really? Yeah. That's there, interesting. Yeah. Cucumber, digestion, like it. So the, the kale was great for my digestion yeah. and my gut health. But Flow that out. And then the sugar gave me a little bit of zap of energy, but then the cucumber helped with my inflammation. So like, I and this whole time you're training like an animal too. Four or five hours. That's what people don't understand is the the carb cutting. You're in like this fog, Mm. right? Like you're in a mental fog because your brain needs carbs too, right? I would get angry, dude. I would I would flip out. Like the closer I'd get to the fight, because I'd pull people on carbs. That's when I had my biggest like tantrums in the gym, like. I would feel like I would I would do my rounds with my guys, and I'd feel like I would just get my ass kicked by amateurs or by guy low level pros. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why am I even fighting? Mm-hmm. I'm about to go fight this fucking <laughs> killer, and I'm having these fucking JV guys whooping my ass. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's it was, it was oh, it's the fucking weight. It was the weight cut. Yeah, like, the weight I'm, cut. It's I'm fucking with your head. Yeah, it's 600 fucking calories or 800 calories, and it's you know 8 p.m. or something. You know, whatever it was at that time, but. Yeah. It was, dude, the weight cuts were, the weight cuts were brutal, but it got better. And then I had the day of weigh-in shit, like, to a science, man. Go sit in the hot, so it was actually night before, hot tub for 30 minutes. Then I put Abilene on. It's mm-hmm. like a makeup remover, but it's just like, I think it, uh, it closes up your pores. So it's like, and you put a, put a sweatsuit, rubber suit on over top of that. So I'd go do 30 minutes in the hot tub. Then I would do, I put the Abilene on and a rubber suit, sauna suit, and I go sit in the sauna. I do 15 minutes in, five minutes out. Or sorry, 15 minutes in, two minutes out. 15 minutes in, two minutes out. Then 10 minutes in, two minutes, or five, 10 minutes in, five minutes out. 10 minutes in, done. Dude, I would make weight every time. And it was, that was the system. 30 wow. minutes in the sauna the night before. Then the day of weigh-ins, 30 minutes in the sauna, 10, uh, 15, yeah. up to 15, two. 10, 5, 10. You're good. 155 pounds. Damn. Fucking science, dude. Yeah. It was... Uh, and it took you 10 years to, to, to hone that craft. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then then my career ends. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the story of right? The, once you get it dialed in, then well, I shit think, happens. I think the weight cut though was probably the reason why my career had to end. Though I think being so dehydrated yeah. made it made me more susceptible to get knocked out. Because I got knocked out by Trujillo, which is the first time in my career I'd ever been knocked out. Yeah. And then my very last fight against Drew Dober, I did a double over, tried to throw his ass. Yeah. He had the double unders. I fucking get him in here. I'm like, you have no idea what's about to come. I arch throw, land on my head when I go to throw him. Out cold. Shit. Yeah. Full arching throw, head out. Next thing I know, I'm waking up in a rear naked like, what the fuck just happened? Like, Damn. I felt like I time traveled him. Yeah. How the fuck did this like why is he on my back? Yeah, that sucked. That sucks. That was that was a really tough experience. But yeah, the weight cuts, man, fuck they were brutal. Yeah. They were brutal. You don't miss that. No, yeah. your brain sits in a fucking fluid, you know, yeah. it's, on, it's well, fluid. It's dehydrated. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, gone. Car, it's it's carb depleted and then you're baking it. And fat depleted? Yeah, and you're baking you know. it. Yeah, yeah, not fun. It fucks with your head, dude. You got a lot of questions there, dude. Did we and we didn't, use, any of them? we didn't use, this is the first time we've done this podcast. I've never looked at the notes. Yeah, we didn't have to. I talk a lot. No, that's yeah. good. I, I love it. We want you back to answer these questions. Yeah. Okay, let's All the go. stuff you talked about today was just like. Yeah, we'd cool. love to have you back. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Like, it was all good stuff. So, what's, what's up now? I mean, what's future? You're coaching high school, right? You're coaching. So, I just resigned. Oh, did you? Yeah, I just resigned. Um, I, I think. What's next for me? There's there's a lot there's a lot that I'm kind of uh, well, you got a you got a you got a wedding coming up at some that, point you got to figure that out that'll happen in 2022. So my my girl she's got three degrees, um, she just finished up her bachelor's in nursing, so she's got the state boards coming up in um, in June. Okay. So we're not gonna like start doing any wedding planning until after that. Um, I love my company that I work for, so I'm gonna continue doing that. I resigned from coaching um, the moms. Moms. Oh, dude. dude. The moms made it terrible. Talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. The moms yeah. are not. The moms are not cool, dude. The moms suck, and the kids they, they baby these fucking pussies, and it's <laughs> and it's tough, man. It's really fucking tough. Yeah. Um. So you know when I when I tell a kid that he quits on a mat, like my mom, the moms think that's really offensive. Oh my god. I'm just like he fucking quit though. Yeah. What do you want me to call it? And uh, there was one. There was one time in particular. It's after one of our after one of our dual meets. We had uh, I think Queen Creek High School over at over at my high school, and two of my kids just gave up in the middle of the match. Like I just just gave up. I, it may it may not even been that match. It may have been the match before. But anyways, they gave up. They they just fucking. They, as soon as it got tough, they just fought to the backs, got pinned. Fuck. All right, okay, handle this. So after every time we would wrestle, and I'm sure Paul can can attest to this, like I um, in college, a lot of, a lot of teams do sprints. Mm-hmm. Okay, just get the extra work in. I like I like my guys when when the other teams are packing up and leaving to to be doing it. Fucking yep to work. You just lost. You just lost to that guy. Mm-hmm. But look at what you're doing. Look what he's not. Mm-hmm. This is how you're gonna close that gap. Mm-hmm. Outwork your opponents. That's the beautiful thing about this sport. You can fucking outwork your opponents. You can right, earn. Right. That's like wrestling and MMA. You get exactly what you fucking earn. That's right. Nothing's given to it's you. It's instant gratification from from work. That's what I used to yeah. tell my my sons. And uh, you learn more from losing than you do oh, from hundred, winning. They're not they're not losses. They're lessons. Yeah. But unless you give up, if you give up, then you never get to learn that lesson. 
there is there is a lesson to be learned and given up. But if you consistently give up, then you haven't learned the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was for these two kids I gave up, I brought all the kids into my wrestling room. I closed the doors. I had the two kids I gave up. I sat them on a wall. And I, I just thought everybody stand on stand on line. I had the other two kids on the wall. And I addressed the whole team. And I'm like, hey, guys, great performance out there today. You guys just beat a team that was a top 10 team in the state last year. And you're a bunch of sophomores. I had one senior and one junior on my, on my varsity team. Rest sophomores and one freshman. We were fucking young. But we beat this team. And... It's because they, they just worked hard. They listened, but you know, some couple of kids quit. So I told them, like, all right. So uh, two of the kids, the two the two kids have quit. Like because because we can't count on you guys to, to to perform, to work hard, to finish a match. That means everybody else has to make up mm -hmm. for your quitting. Mm -hmm. We have to make up for your lost points. So what I, what what you guys are gonna do? You guys are gonna stand on that wall, and you're gonna watch these guys do sprints. Because they got to make up for your lack there of There you effort. go. So I put them on the fucking spot. Right. There you go. Yeah, oh, a little pressure. I fucking make these kids do so many goddamn sprints. And you just see the fucking kids quivering and shit shaking. <laughs> One of them tries to get down, start doing push-ups. Like, no, no, you had your chance to fucking work. Get up and watch. Yeah. You had your shot. You watch. And, dude, fucking the hellstorm that came from that. You called my kid a quitter. You embarrassed him in front of everybody. I'm like. He was a quitter. But here's the thing, like, I'm trying to teach him, I'm trying uh, to teach him not to quit. Allow me to teach him a lesson. Yes. Yeah. I'm, tr I'm trying to show him, I'm trying to, I don't know how else to instill pride. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know how else to, to instill pride, but, but to show disappointment when you, when you, when you fall short. Mm -hmm. To enforce accountability yeah. when you fall short. It's I, still a team. I don't know how else to do it. But, dude, I, I started getting so much fucking shit from these parents. So um, I resigned, and um, I, there was a lot of issues. The Scottsdale Unified School District is a fucking joke, dude. I had, I had two kids on my team. So you have to pay $150 to play a sport in Scottsdale, per sport. Okay, back when I was in high school, free. It is free, free. yeah. If, yeah. I, if I had to pay $150 to swim, or pay $150 to wrestle, or pay $150 to play baseball, there's no fucking way I would have ever been, been an athlete in high school. Yeah. No way. But Scottsdale's different. I grew up in kind of a little bit more ghetto area, yeah. like whatever. My parents didn't have a lot of money growing up. So, all right. Scottsdale's different. But they had, I had two kids on my wrestling team that weren't allowed to play or participate in practice or anything until they paid their fee. Mind you, this is fucking COVID. COVID time. Yeah. Sorry, three kids. Three kids. Two of them were brothers. Two kids were brothers, and they are – this is their second year over here from Iran. Or Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, they, they, um, they left Iraq. They immigrated to Lebanon, and I think they came over from Lebanon here. Mm -hmm. Right? Something like that. And they – I don't know if they opened a restaurant what happened, but COVID happened, and they lost all their money. All their finances – let, the, let the kids wrestle. Fuck. All their finances – a lot of their family money is in Lebanon. Well, there is, I, I forget the name of the organization, maybe not the FCC, but something, something like that. Yeah. They're on this block list. Lebanon, Iraq, they're on a block list where they can't wire funds. Yeah. The FCC. To the, FTC. What? FTC. Okay. So they can't wire funds over to, uh, they can't wire funds here because they're on that ban list. So these kids have zero access to money. They couldn't, and like it's proven. And their parents don't even speak English. Only the two boys do. 
So I go to the I go to the Scottsdale district. I like I plead like, hey, like this is fucking ridiculous. This is COVID. Well, you know, if they're hurting on money, well, why don't you just have them fill out a form and you know they they can apply for reduced lunches and then we can reduce this fee to twenty five dollars. I'm like, it's fucking COVID. Yeah, come on, bro. It's fucking COVID time. We just we're getting stimulus money because the world is fucked. Mm-hmm. The world is fucked, and we're getting stimulus money yet. There is zero flexibility here. Yeah. Like you're and then you want to Hey go, Scottsdale. You want to further humiliate the fucking kids by or the parents by making them fill out this form and having to do reduce Well, they it's not humiliating. They no one has to know whatever, dude. I I remember being in line and seeing kids reduce lunches mm-hmm. like yeah. I remember seeing that shit when I was a kid like that is It's humiliating. Yeah. yeah. It is humiliating. <laughs> fucking fucked up. I I mean that I think that's probably why they went to the card system. You know, like, so that way, like, I don't know if you guys have, like, car, well, yeah. maybe you yeah. did, but I, I think, like, I was, like, the first year, like, generate, I don't know, generation that had, like, uh, metal, uh, plastic cards where we just gave those to the lunch ladies, but, yeah. I mean, it, it was humiliating, so now, like, now these parents that don't speak English, the kids have to read them this shit, they have to apply for this, it just, it was just mm-hmm. such a fucked up situation, mm-hmm. but yet, here's, here's the, here's, like, the really, the part that's even more fucked up, both of these kids played football. Oh, then, yeah. The season before. Both these kids played football. And one of the kids played in the state final, state championship game. And then the team won the state championship. Yeah. No no fee there. Fee wasn't yeah. fucking important there. Right. Right, yeah. Dude, it, it, dude, it's the hypocrisy and the fucking bullshit in that, within that district. It's so bullshit. I tried, I tried sending uh, – so I sent um, – a couple news stations, like what what they did, no one said a fucking word. Mm-hmm. No one's like reported about. It. No one's investigated. No but yeah, shit. they my kids were sitting out, weren't allowed to wrestle, but they could play. They could play football. But and the athletic director told me he did that out of compassion. He let the kids play football. What about fucking wrestling? Yeah, then? come on. What about fucking wrestling then? Yeah. So it's a winter sport. Yeah, because it's wrestling. It's a secondary sport. Yeah. It, it was just yes. such fucking bullshit, dude. Yeah, so. Ended up quitting wrestling. Uh, ended up resigning from there. Um, I recently applied to a um, an NAI school uh, to be the head coach. It's Arizona Christian University. Cool. Uh, they're a small school here in Phoenix, um, but they're NAIA. Their coach uh, Travis Patrick, I think is his name. He just got a job in Southern Florida, so I actually reached out to him to see if he had any room on his roster. Um, I'd just be a volunteer assistant, or you know, even I, I would like to be a paid assistant because eventually yeah. I'd like to be a head coach in college, but. Um, I just applied for it. I don't know if I'm going to get it or not because I don't have any college head, head coaching experience. Right. But I think college is better suited for me, like my intensity level. Um, I think I can recruit pretty well because I, I feel like I could. Uh, oh, yeah, you'd be a hell of a recruiter. Damn. Because uh, I, could, I could just players coach. I think I could level with the kids. I yeah. can relate to them. But also then having the L- MMA element, I think I could bring a lot of kids in mm-hmm. to, um, into Arizona Christian University just because, like, hey – I know every fucking fight gym out here. Yeah. No, you guys want to wrestle for me for four years. I can get you set up and get you prepared, put you in the right gym, right place to get you ready for the UFC, Bellator, or whatever. Seriously. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I sent emails to the athletic director. I've, uh, yeah, I, I've emailed pretty much everybody I could to try and get this, get this, submitted my resume. So we'll see. Sweet. Who's some local guys? We'll wrap it up with this. Who's some local uh, MMA guys that are, we should be watching out for? I think Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Um, I think he's up and coming. He's got the right mindset. He's got a good team behind him. I like him. Um, there's a 
there's a kid out of fight ready. I can't, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, he's a 125 pounder, 135 pounder. He trains with Henry Cejudo and all those guys. Randy Stanky is his uh, striking coach. Randy Stanky is a, he's a pretty well-known striking coach out here. He was never like a high-level fighter, but he's a great coach, mm -hmm. um, and he's super technical. I remember the guy. He's from like Sholo, Arizona. I used to drive in and come train with me. He weighed. Weighed 135 pounds, 140 pounds. Will come in and spar with me. Damn. Drive three, four hours to come train with us at Arizona Combat Sports. I've known the kid a long time. He's a great coach, but he's got this little Asian kid. Um, I again, I forget the kid's name. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's an amateur, if he's still an amateur, or if he's a pro now. But yeah, I wish I could think of. Yeah, the no, name. you're fine. He, you're he's fine. a stud. But there's a Henry Cejudo is eventually going to be. He's going to make some noise here again soon. Oh, I for think. real. I think. Uh, Henry Cejudo, Sugar Sean O'Malley, and then I'm trying to think of, man, Tyrell, Tyrell Fortune, um, Bellator guy, Arizona mm -hmm. Combat Sports guy. Uh, he's, he's, dude, he's tough, man. He's a great wrestler. He's super athletic. He's picking up his striking. I think he recently got knocked out pretty quickly, but I, just because you get knocked out. I mean, look at Michael Bisping, man. Yeah. He got knocked out pretty quickly and ended up winning a world title. So, yep. like, it is what it is. But I think um, Tyrell Fortune is, uh, I think he's a, I think he'll make some noise in MMA. Cool. Where can they find you? Uh, Instagram? Yeah. So just at Where? Jamie Varner, uh, Instagram. I'm looking to, to potentially do my own podcast as well. Okay. Um, I like to, you know, maybe bring some fighters on, some mm -hmm. different people, talk about life after fighting or see what's going on in the world today. Cool. Been really, uh, been really interested in the podcast since uh, I'm not no longer coaching high school wrestling. I don't have anything for sure with the, with the college wrestling gig. Yeah. I think um, I need to be active, dude. Yeah. I be doing, be shit, doing so. something. So I think podcasting um, and then just working out, lifting, and that's it, dude. Sweet. But yeah, add Jamie Varner on Instagram, okay. add Jamie Varner on Twitter, and then you can find me on Facebook. I have a Jamie Varner fan page and then Jamie Varner uh, normal Facebook. So I, I add everybody. I don't care. All right, man. I appreciate it. And uh, so stick stick around. Um, we'll have all his, uh, all his links down in the comments. And I uh, appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Right.